We all know that most successful people don't start at the top. Actually, I don't know anyone who has ever started at the top. We fail and fail and fail. We have doubters. And it's crazy because even with all the doubters, one of the consistent things I find with these people is that what they don't do is they don't doubt themselves. They reach the great heights. They have a drive and a work ethic that allows them to outperform others to do the things that unsuccessful people won't. And that in turn allows them to achieve the goals and dreams of their life. My conversation today is with a phenomenal young man hailing out of Dry Branch, Georgia. Coming out of high school, zero stars. He gets one offer and he ends up in Spartan Nation, East Lansing, Michigan. This young man ends up pouring four seasons of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into this program, one of the most successful four-year runs of Michigan State football history, and ends up being drafted number 24 in the first round in the 2014 NFL Draft. This is a story you don't want to miss. Welcome to At The Podium. Hello again, and welcome to At The Podium with Manuel Mesqua. I'm a financial advocate, a CEO, father, husband, and as you all know, a massive sports fan. I'm obsessed with encouraging people to dream and attack the unique vision they have for their life so that they can inspire others to do the same. I built this podcast specifically to share the stories of the highest performers I know, and we help convert those stories into lessons to help you get closer to your hopes and dreams. Folks, today my guest is Darquez Denard, a native of Dry Branch, Georgia, and former Michigan State standout athlete. Played football on one of the greatest four-year runs of the football program history. Darquez won the Jim Thorpe Award in 2013 as the best defensive back in college football. He was drafted number 24 in the first round by the Cincinnati Bengals. I loved hearing Quez talk about his childhood in Dry Branch, Georgia, the impact that coming from a big family and being raised by his grandparents made in his life and how he bet on himself when he committed in high school to making it to the NFL and lived out a nine-year dream in the league. I know you're going to find a ton of value in today's discussion. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Quez Denard. Man, I'm excited to film another conversation here in East Lansing, Michigan. I got two guys to fly in. It's unbelievable. Two people to fly in, played together on one of the greatest programs in Michigan State football history. My friend Darquez Denard, we were actually introduced exactly one year ago at Karen Sadler's Legacy Leadership Conference that was here in East Lansing last year. And look, folks, Darquez played in the NFL for nine years, standout Michigan State football player, Kind of retired, maybe not retired, not sure, but he's a serial entrepreneur and a philanthropist. I can't wait to unpack today. Thanks for making time to be with us, Quez. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We've been talking about having you on the show now for about six, eight months. You're living in Florida now, but Georgia is always home. Let's go all the way back to your childhood, Dry Branch, Georgia. 
I know it's a special place. I know it's very meaningful to you. Take our listeners back to what it was like growing up when you were there. It was good, man. It was great. Uh, I had a lot of cousins. Come from a big family. My grandparents raised me. And I've heard you talk about wanting a huge family. Is that where that comes from? Definitely. Just growing up. So it's crazy. Both my grandparents stay across the street from each other. Both sides all related to. So I just grew up and was able to see a lot of things, exposed to a lot of things. So I think that kind of made me the person I am today. I love kids. I want 10 myself just because. <laughs> he said 10, okay? Because I know he's soft-spoken, um, but he said 10. For sure. I'd rather spend my time with them, put my energy in them, because I know what it would have meant for me. And just to see where I'm at today, the decisions that I had to make myself. My Me going along my journey and experiencing the things I did, now I can be able to help them and teach them. So like I can put 10 individuals in the world that really can make a difference, really can change things. So that's my mentality. That's what I've been about all my life. Dry Branch really made me the person I am. Take a village. Unpack that a little bit more. I think folks that are unfamiliar with Dry Branch, unfamiliar with what your childhood was like. I've heard you many times reference the impact that aunts, uncles, your grandparents had on your life having a big family around you, but also the fact that your grandparents raised you. So unpack that a little bit about this vision you have for really wanting to bring your children into this world and make sure that they are people of influence and impact to help elevate others. The foundation they was able to do, the things they put in me, the little things I didn't even think about. I'm used to waking up at six o'clock in the morning. That's because my grandparents, one worked in a KLM mine, the other one worked in a factory. So these are two workers that got up every morning and made sure the whole house got up because if you're in the house, when they up, you up. That's little things that I didn't really take really serious. It was just a norm that when I got to certain places and get up in the morning, it was second nature. And that actually led to me being the person I am today. I definitely can appreciate your comment about the in my words, not yours, but early bird gets the worm in the work ethic that that represents and reflects, right? And I've heard you say this a number of times, to get up early, it was never a problem. It was never an inconvenience. It's just what you did. You got up early and you got after it. Is that a lot of where your work ethic came from, watching your grandparents get up and work hard and raise a large family? Uh, Definitely. I stayed in the country. There's no stoplights in my hometown. Literally, everybody go to work. Everybody, entrepreneurs, everybody, like, got a job to do because they got responsibilities. So, like, wasn't no excuses in my house. You got to do it. Who was in your family, siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, that you looked up to that kind of set the path or the trajectory? Because you ended up being a standout athlete at Twix County High School. You ended up at Michigan State playing Division One football, nine seasons in the NFL. That vision, that discipline, that work ethic, I have to believe somebody was a few steps ahead of you showing you that hard work pays off. My biggest role model was my granddad and Alan Iverson, actually. Alan so like, I was a huge basketball fan. I started playing football in high school, so grew up. Chasing a rock, playing basketball, like that was my thing. Football was really a blessing. It was my opportunity to leave. So, you know, put out your cards on plan A 
and you know, working out. So you're going through middle school, heading into high school. Now you're playing multiple sports. When you were in high school, what sport did you think you were going to play in college? Football. Crazy story. So my high school football coach at the time ended up coming to me and basically was like, hey, man, I could change your life. You could come out here and play football. And really wasn't listening to him. Ended up sitting down with my mom, my grandma, talking them into it. That's how I ended up going on football. So from there, I ended up playing as a freshman. I actually was like a quarterback, mm-hmm. like the backup. And then I'd go play some receiver because I was an athlete, but I didn't want to get hit. I had to fail a few times. And then probably after that ninth grade year, going into my 10th grade year, that's when I really made the choice. What was your favorite position that you played throughout high school? So I only played receiver. I was one of those. Didn't want to get hit. Want to be clean. You know, I was that type of guy. So that's the only that's the only position I played, actually, because I didn't really click at quarterback. We had a pretty good team. Be a small school. Like, we produced, like, a lot of D1 athletes. I mean, we had potential things. Sure. Life ended up happening. So a lot of them guys didn't get opportunity to. What type of impact did your high school coaches have on you? And is there a specific lesson or value that you took away from playing at Twig County as you came to Michigan State? I had a coach named Coach Waters. He used to like reference GOAT. So he came from Alabama and he used to talk about this player GOAT and how GOAT used to do all these amazing things, right? And now that I end up, you know, getting older, when I got to college, that's when I realized, but he had put in my head that I was competing with this person, GOAT, the whole time. And really it was myself. That's when I realized when I got to college and we had a conversation about it. The whole time I'm thinking this is actually a person because, you know, it's a nickname like from the country. A lot of people have nicknames. So mm-hmm. he said, go. I'm thinking that's a guy and come to find out it was, you know, greatest of all time. So he had me chasing that. And really, I'm just competing with myself. So that was the biggest lesson. I think that what made me made it click. When you think about the days going back as you were exiting high school, Share with our listeners what it was like, what type of attention you were getting from schools, and what was the decision-making process to get to Michigan State? So it wasn't no decision process <laughs> at all. My uh, recruiting story is actually pretty funny. I think it's funny anyway. Going into my senior year, I was a no-star recruit. I had zero stars. Zero stars. I know people are blown away when they hear you say that. It's crazy. Zero stars. I actually had men of Tennessee watching me. They came to my first game. Seeing me play and offer me. Week four, they called, said they had an opportunity to get a JUCO player. So they pulled my scholarship and then I ain't getting any more calls. So going into my last high school game, playing a great friend, my brother, who was a Spartan dog. He was already committed to Michigan State, Keith Murphy. He was already committed to Michigan State. They came to watch him because it was a senior night. It was his. Last high school game, that's how they seen me. So that's how I got my scholarship offer. Wow. And of the coaches, of the people on staff, of the people you communicated, who was the person that you say, hey, once I spoke to this person at the program, I was like, not only because it was the main offer, but just you also knew this is where you were supposed to play. Yeah, it's crazy. Coach Warner, man, like that was my guy. Still is today. I remember playing the game. On a ride home from the game, my coach tell me, oh, Michigan State on the phone. They said they're going blah, blah, blah. Come Monday, Coach Warner and Coach D in the office. So really? I didn't believe him. 
Because at this time, football is out the thought. I'm looking at different alternatives. I'm actually thinking about becoming a barber at the time. Not telling anybody, but going to my cousin, who still cuts my hair today, and he's training me at the practice and on the weekends because this is my only opportunity to go to college. That happened Friday, Monday morning, Coach Warner and Coach D in the office, and then me and Coach Warner ended up building a relationship. And then along with that, Coach Burnett, but Coach B ended up coming. This is probably like two weeks after the visit, and he ended up telling me, like, we want you. Can you commit? I want to go home and watch Book of Eli with my wife. Like, tell me you got me. Like, why well, don't have to go see nobody else? Like, you the guy we want. That's how I knew. Michigan State, four years. What is the most meaningful achievement or meaningful moment uh, of your playing career here on campus? There's so many. You played for one of the best teams in the best four-year window of all time. But what's something that every time you hear this story or you recall this achievement or moment, you're like, man, that's meaningful to me? Maybe the Rose Bowl. Just to, to know the importance, I think at the time it was like 20 years, 21 years. It's like some crazy. Maybe it was 25. I mean, how that process, like when I was in it, it didn't really, you know, kind of you in it. But like, after the fact, like winning and seeing all these everybody at the hotel and people coming up and saying, you don't even understand. Like, yeah. So like that, I say that moment just because it how it impact not only us as players because we did a lot of yeah a lot of grinding, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of you know a lot of people before us put a lot of time in to build a program and to be able to accomplish that and just know the effect that it had past, present, and future. I mean, you think about those moments and you're so dialed in on simply doing your job as the athlete that you forget there's millions and millions and millions of people clinging on to every second of that game, hoping and praying (laughs) and doing all kinds of weird rituals with the desire to see Michigan State win, that had to have been really special. Definitely, man. It was amazing. It was amazing just seeing. What's your favorite memory that happened immediately after the Rose Bowl? The celebration, for sure. So a great four-year run. Your senior year is over. You're thinking about the next step in your life. Were you thinking NFL? Oh, yeah. That was the goal from the get-go, honestly. That ninth grade year. Going into like that 10th grade year in high school, what made it real for me going to see DT at Georgia Tech. He's your cousin. Demarius Thomas, Hall of Famer, incredible human, man. Again, I was a no, no star recruit. Mm-hmm. Somehow, some way, I'm in the locker room with him, obviously, because I'm friends and family, you know, yeah. and I'm able to actually get to see it. Now, obviously, DT is 6'5. 220, run 4-3. He made it real. Like, okay, it's a possibility. Then from there, it was Kareem Jackson. They was in the same draft class. So seeing K-Jack, who from Macon, same area, seeing K-Jack go, and him and DT was in the same draft. K-Jack got drafted before DT. So seeing him go, it was like, okay, that's real. Then a couple years after that, seeing Casey Hayward. So I'm seeing all these guys that 
from my area, and we playing. So now that's who I go home. I see him. I'm being around him. That was the motivation from the get-go. I think the NFL got on my mind when I really thought I could do it my sophomore year. That's when I knew I could end my sophomore year. After the Georgia game, I knew I had a chance. So that was like the focus. You're approaching the NFL draft. Take our listeners through where were you, who were you with, and what was the outcome for people who don't know your story? I was in Macon, Georgia, Dry Branch, Georgia. I actually threw like a barbecue the day before in my hometown at my grandparents' house, like a block party, then at the hotel in Macon with my family and people that I grew up with, my cousins, people I played ball with. Stress, anxious, excited. What were you feeling uh, like? Anxious. I just remember talking to my agent. He called me in the process. Are you a first rounder? Are you a first rounder? You know, you're going boom, boom, boom. Get the call. The lowest you can go is two, but the highest you can go is 48. And I'm like, bro, that's not first round, man. So I'm like, all right. So, like, in the process, it was between me and another corner, Justin Gilbert. Had a great career, great player. So I understood. So it was between me and him to be number one corner to off the board. And once he went, at that point, I knew I'll go somewhere along the lines, but it was more so anxious. Like, just wanted it to be over where I'm going to go. I was just focused on going to work. It really wasn't too much other, other worries. I'm a huge fan of our friends at Sport of Kings out in L.A. And as a listener of this show, you've got to check them out. Sporta Kings is an LA-based clothing brand that was started by two surfers and longtime friends. The story's incredible. They carry a wide range of premium tees, hoodies, sweats, caps, and more. And they're designed in-house folks made locally in Los Angeles and Orange County. Samantha and Ava and Atlas say, Dad, you're either in a blue suit and white shirt or Sporta Kings. And they're right. That's about it. Don't forget, Sporta Kings is a homegrown brand focused on quality over quantity. And if you go check them out online at S-O-K-F-Y. So basically, Sporta Kings Forever Young, S-O-K-F-Y dot com. And use the promo code PODIUM. You'll receive 20% off your entire order. Again, that's S-O-K-F-Y dot com. And use the promo code PODIUM at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. And were you surprised about where you were drafted? And to share with our listeners where you ended up in the draft and what team. So I ended up getting drafted round one, pick 24, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Not pick 48 and not round two. Round one, round 24. One, yeah, yeah. That's I ended up making the first round. That's crazy because they called me like four picks before it actually happened. And we on the phone and we talking and people get people get picked while I'm on the phone. So like they my family see me on the phone, but they can't hear the call. So they like jumping around. It's hilarious. Thinking, thinking it, it was you. Thinking it's me. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> So yeah, so I still got drafted in the first round, like great feeling. Like it's like a whole weight got, you know, it changed. Like it, yeah. it literally, I had the opportunity to change the narrative 
uh, yeah. what I've been told my whole life. What is that narrative? I wasn't going to do nothing. I wasn't going to amount to nothing. I was heard that all through high school, all through, really, elementary, middle, high school. Who are the people in your childhood that had the most responsibility to pour positivity into you that you think were negative? Because I think people forget, right? I mean, you think about our conversations. You know, I've had a lot of your teammates, you know, over the last two years on the show. One thing that comes up often is how disappointing it is that sometimes the people who should be encouraging us in school, on teams, in college, are the ones telling us we can't do it. It's tragic, right? You think kindness wins. You think people would be more positive and encouraging, but that's not the case. And Todd shared a similar story, you know, where he was from in Napoleon, Michigan. There are people telling him he couldn't walk on and he wouldn't make it onto your team and be your teammate, right? And he's like, and then those were the first people to say, oh, congratulations when he was a starter and you guys won the Big Ten championship. Yeah, I heard everybody, like literally everybody. And not to be, because it's not negative, it's really what I come to realize, especially me being older, having kids and being able to have these conversations Mm -hmm. to different people Mm -hmm. to get them to kind of understand where – they more so telling your fears. They don't want to encourage and plan B. They're just telling you the realities. Now, how they bringing it to you or how they delivering it could be bad. So it's just all how you take it. Yeah. So for me anyway, I kind of been alone in my whole life. Yeah. So like used to doing things by myself. So yeah. a lot of things I've figured out on my own. I mean, kind of brought me this far. Yeah, well, you said loner, but in the year that I've gotten to know you and know, know about you and the things that you're passionate about today, including your children and your community and the children in your community, I think more maybe like independent is the way I think of you. Yep. You're not waiting for someone to do the things for you. You've been a man with a purpose who seems to just say, that's important to me. I just go and do it. Whether you do it great or not, you're like, well, I'm just going to do it because I'm not going to wait for somebody to help me. Absolutely. Actually, very true. I have done it a lot, I think. Kind of my personality, so that's a great way to to put it. I have been, I guess you would say, trained to be independent my whole life. So why wait on somebody Mm -hmm. when you can have your own 24? Nine NFL seasons. Congratulations. Thank you. You played for a few teams, a couple really good ones. What was your favorite stop? I think my favorite stop was Atlanta. Why does everybody who goes to Atlanta love Atlanta? Man, how you can't like <laughs> the crib? It's, it's Georgia. Food good. You know, the weather ain't the weather good. Like, you get the season, so you get to dress up. You get to put on coats and do different things. But Atlanta is special for me just because it's home. Like, I grew up watching Michael Vick. It's the oh, yeah. crib. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And be able to, you know, walk the same halls, put that jersey on, having my family, like, not to be able to travel. This is my first time being in Georgia since high school. So, like, having friends be able to. I mean, it was COVID year, so it was a little whatever because of how the the rules and regulations. Yeah, Yeah, how the rules and regulations was. But my son was just born in 19 in October. So, going there, he was able to come to a game. So, he was able to, you know, get to experience it. Now, he was younger, but still be able to get those pictures, be able to share those memories when he get – a certain age. So that's why it was special to me. I mean, football is football. I had some great seasons, but I haven't, you know, I ain't got no Super Bowl. What was your favorite season? The season where you feel like you just balled out? 
Like, hey, this season I balled out. I think it was my first like two years like starting. I think it was like year four. What team? Cincinnati. I led like I was in all the categories, and it was my first time what was playing clicking? all sixteen games. What was clicking then? What What in your life was going so well that on Sunday you just consistently performed? Mm, that's a good question. I think since he just let me be me, I think that was kind of the – I was playing – still playing out of position, but they was able to let me, you know, be myself. Play to your strengths. Play to my strengths. Don't put me in the box too much. Let me, you know, be who I am. How would you describe yourself as a player on defense? What would you say those two to three strengths are that you were allowed to tap into and harness in on? Being able to play, man, to just – Wipe a receiver out yeah, the board. Yeah, man coverage. Being able to blitz. So you're physical. Being able to, you know, be physical. Yes, they're going to tackling as well. And just be able to have that swagger. I can be a dog. Yeah, the confidence. I love, though, how, and a couple of your teammates have said this too, you went from not wanting to get hit to being somebody who rarely missed a tackle. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> right? I mean, I think about it. You're this pretty boy wide receiver coming out of high school saying, I don't want to get hit. And then you make it nine seasons in the NFL. And in some of your best seasons, I mean, you were known for not missing tackles. I think they just want to. Our mentality, Coach B, they brought it out me. That's what I had to do, be able to get on the field. Opportunities mm-hmm. don't don't stay around. Mm-hmm. So you got to do it. You got you to gotta adjust. You got to yeah. make a decision. So it's easy. I mean, it's easier to hit. Then get hit. That's right. So, oh, yeah. I do that 10 out of 10 times. That's why it's easier for me. Yeah. So it's like I've been wanting to hit somebody. Now I can hit somebody, yeah. you know, for free. Yeah. Uh, I do that easily. I've heard you mention a few times the blessing that playing in the NFL has allowed you to now bless and impact others. You've started a foundation, the Denard Difference. You're very charitable. You've got daily deposits going on. It's on fire on Instagram. It's all about empowerment and performance of others, doing the hard work. I think the things that most unsuccessful people won't do to be successful. You're invested in your community. You've got a center that is for children and sports and education and everything to empower the community. Where does that come from? I just think about it. If I had those opportunities as a kid, so my dream was to be a professional athlete. And I didn't did it. I did it for a long time. I didn't beat the odds. Yeah. Like, so for me to be able to give back to a kid and just tell a kid, hey, all you got to do is this. Yes. All you got to be is discipline. All you got to be is dedicate. It's easy. And if I had that, again, if I had that as a kid, probably wouldn't have done some of the stuff that I did. Probably wouldn't have, you know, would have saved me. Yeah. Would have saved me some time, some money, saved my mom some headache. I just think about that, to be able to just put things in that I wish I had at that age because I knew how much difference would have made. What is the thing you're most passionate about right now in your community? Because I know you're doing a lot of good work, but what's the one project that you'd say, hey, man, I want to share this story? So I'm getting ready to, I mean, I have my weekend every every year, my charity weekend every year. But I'm getting ready to open up my learning center, which I'm changing. It's called the Dope Center. Denar Opportunity Performance Enrichment Center. So it's just a play on words to be able to get the kids like in the doors. So still doing the Middle Georgia Spartans for the youth. Also partnered with some guys that I grew up with, Look Spray, some mobile detail. They mm-hmm. actually put the detail in business at the location to be able to watch cars. But inside we're going to have a 
a music studio. We're going to have a photography room. You can come set up a podcast. You can host different like events. It's going to be like an e-game center for gaming. It's going to also have a kitchen, which we're going to offer different meal preps and have different food throughout the weeks. I have few chefs that I have used uh, to come donate their time. Are they the same people getting you the cereal that I see on Instagram all the, the time? The cereal? No, that's the, I try to give people the cheat. That's the breakfast of champions. <laughs> that's the breakfast of champions. You want to win? Eat cereal. Okay, put a disclaimer on that. But I just, yeah, I grew up like a cereal. I still like cereal. I really think it, it speaks to what people who are close to you, the few that you have very close to you have always said is like, man, he never changed. He might have his hair a little bit nicer, you know, have a couple things, a couple nicer things on, but like he's still who he was coming out of Dry Branch. And you see him pouring everything he's got back into his community and, and his family, in his family. And it says a lot. Yeah, I appreciate it. They try to be who I am. I think yeah. my grandparents just taught me that way. That? Like I said earlier, it took a village. There's a lot of people that impacted me, yeah. a lot of people I didn't seen. That taught me a lot of things, like yeah. being around the assets, like yeah. that, that is everything. So daily deposits is something, you know, I've been following and obviously, you know, it, res- it resonates with me. I draw inspiration from a lot of places, but the one thing that's consistent is I like drawing it from people who are speaking the walk that they're actually walking, like they're sharing the word of the actual work they're doing. And I see that in you, right? And that's where I've become a big advocate of everything you do and say around that channel that you have. For young men and women who are in middle school, high school, they've got similar dreams that you had. They want to go play D1 sports at a big time school, big time place like Michigan State. What's the best advice that you're going to give those young men and women today? Dedicate and be disciplined. Be dedicated and be disciplined. Whatever you dream of is is possible. Everything don't go your way. Can't cry about it. Can't pout about it. You just got to pivot and figure out a different way. No matter where you go, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. If you're good enough, they're going to find you. And just understand there's more ways to, to skin a cat. Different walks. There's different ways. Yes. different lanes. Anything is possible. Literally. You just can't. Limit yourself and put yourself in the box. Let's wrap up with favorite Michigan State football teammate. Ooh. Everybody my sparring dog, man. But I'm going to have to say my brother. The reason why I went to Michigan State, like Keith Murphy. Yeah. Like we've been like still like that today. That's, like, it. that's my that. dog. For us to be able to take that journey. You know, 12 hours. Yeah. Like, we drove. We drove. You know what I'm saying? We drove. <laughs> we got dropped off. Our family dropped us yeah. off. And to be able to walk across the stage to graduate, man. When, when you were in Atlanta, favorite teammate then? My young dog, A.J. Terrell, my rookie. <laughs> he made me work, man. He had a – to be a rookie, he had an old soul. And he had energy. He don't even know he made me better. Like Atlanta was probably if you go because I was able to play outside, it was one of my best seasons in the league. AJ yeah. Terrell is a is a big reason why. That's great. San Francisco favorite memory from your time there? Oh man, NFC Championship. Yeah, going on the playoffs. Yeah. Like man, we went to Green Bay and beat Green Bay, yeah. and it was negative twenty. Oh my god! <laughs> you going for the Golden State? Yeah, I would say that. As we wrap. 
What's the one thing that people don't know about you that they should? I want to become a chef and open up a restaurant. I love that. Where? Georgia? Atlanta. Yeah. Come on. Atlanta. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it's going it. to be big vibes. Folks that want to be an advocate of the Denard difference, they want to keep up with you. They want to follow around all the things that you're investing and pouring yourself into. Where can they find you online? You can find me on Instagram, Darkquiz, at Darkquiz. If you want to look up my foundation, it's denarddifference.org. And that Denard is D-E-N-N-A-R-D, difference.org. Yeah. Quez, man, it was great. It only took us a year to do it. It only took 17 texts from me to you. You only responded to like four, but I'm going to take it because I'm a grown man. And you know me, if anything else, I'm a gentleman and I'm professionally persistent. Is that fair? It's fair. This was great, man. I love sharing your story. I love unpacking it. I know there's so much more. We're going to have you back on. You know that. I mean, I'm just sending a ton of prayer and blessings to everything you touch because I know, I know from people who are close to you that the majority of what you're doing is pouring into others. And I just hope that more people see that and they participate and become a part of that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to my guest, Darquez Denard. Connect with Darquez on Twitter at Quez, Q-U-E-Z-E, or Instagram at Darquez, and that's D-A-R-Q-U-E-Z-E. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to follow, rate, and review at the podium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow the show on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, at podium underscore podcast. Post about the show on social media and tag us. We will repost and share our gratitude. Also, consider telling a friend about the show. Friend of friend is still the best way to get the word out about our podcast, our guests, and their stories. See you next time.